Hello, welcome to Mentors at Your Benchside. I'm Ava Amson, and today we will be talking about a beginner's guide to PCR. This is based on an article written in 2014 by Jennifer Radick and updated in April 2021. So PCR is the technique of modern molecular biology labs. If you need to copy, sequence, or quantify DNA, you need to know PCR. But how do you get started with PCR? In short, PCR, or polymerase chain reaction, is a biochemical technique that uses thermocycling and enzymes to quickly and reliably copy DNA. It was invented in a flash of inspiration when scientist Kerry Mullis was driving on Highway 128 from San Francisco to Mendocino. This article, that you can find on our website, gives a brief overview of the PCR process with a few tips to help you avoid the most common pitfalls. If you're new or relatively new to PCR, then this is for you. And even if you're experienced at PCR, it's well worth a listen to maybe grab a tip or two. There are five ingredients that you need to get started with PCR. The first one is polymerase. Polymerases are enzymes that under the right conditions can assemble new strands of DNA from template DNA and nucleotides. The original PCR reaction was cumbersome because the high temperatures needed to denature the DNA would kill the polymerases. This meant that after every heating cycle, new polymerases had to be manually added to the reaction, an expensive endeavor. However, in modern PCR, this is not a problem, as the polymerases usually come from one of two thermophilic bacteria sources, Thermus aquaticus or Pyrococcus furiosus. These polymerases, known as TAC and PFU, can easily withstand the high temperatures associated with PCR. Commercial TAC and PFU polymerases are engineered for speed, fidelity, processivity, that's the ability to complete long reads, and their ability to read GC-rich templates. Companies are constantly developing new polymerases. Therefore, don't settle for whatever is in your freezer, but shop around for the best commercial polymerase for your PCR needs. Talk to your local sales representative too, as they can often give out free polymerase samples so you can decide what's best for you. The second ingredient you need is template DNA. This is the DNA that your polymerase will read and copy. Your template DNA can be genomic, plasmid or cDNA, but whatever your source, quality counts. The more intact and pure your template DNA, the easier it is to get good PCR results. Also keep in mind that the ideal amount of DNA will depend on your source, but it's usually one picogram to one nanogram of plasmid DNA or one nanogram to one microgram of genomic DNA per PCR. The next ingredient is primers. Primers are short fragments of synthesized DNA that bind to your template DNA. You will need to design one forward primer and one reverse primer. The forward primer designates the start of your PCR. This primer sequence is the same as your 5' to 3' template DNA sequence. Your reverse primer designates the end of your PCR, and this primer sequence is the reverse complement of your template DNA. In general, primers are 18 to 22 base pairs long. However, more important than their length is their melting temperature. 
the melting temperatures of your primers should be 54 to 60 degrees Celsius and as similar as possible to each other. There are lots of online calculators that can work out primer annealing temperatures and most companies that synthesize primers supply such calculators. If you look up this article on our website, you can also find a link to top tips for primer design. The next ingredient that you will need is nucleotides. As the monomers of DNA, nucleotides are necessary for making DNA copies. For most DNA PCRs, you will use deoxynucleoside triphosphates, or DNTPs. You can buy these separately or as a mix of DGTP, DCTP, DATP, and DTTP. Whatever you buy, though, keep in mind that nucleotides are very sensitive to freeze and thaw cycles. Therefore, it's best to create small aliquots of your DNTPs. Also, make sure that you store DNTPs properly. Do not use a frost-free freezer that goes through automatic defrost cycles. Finally, the last ingredient you will need is a buffer. Most commercial polymerases come supplied with their ideal buffer. These buffers not only supply the correct pH, but always have additives like magnesium, potassium, or DMSO, which help optimize DNA denaturing, renaturing, and polymerase activity. Now let's talk about thermocycling. And this is where the magic happens. All of the above ingredients are added to a PCR tube and the tube is thermocycled. To achieve thermocycling when PCR was first invented, Individual PCR tubes were manually moved between heated water bath, and you think your bench work is tedious. But since the invention of Mr. Cycle, the first thermocycling machine, temperature regulation is now done automatically by thermocyclers. The following is a typical PCR thermocycler profile. First, initialization. In this step, the reaction is heated to 94 to 96 degrees Celsius for 30 seconds to several minutes. This step is usually done only once at the very beginning of your PCR reaction. This step is important for activating hot start polymerases if you're using them and for denaturing your template DNA. Keep in mind that if your template GC content is high, you may need to perform an extra long initialization step. The next step is denaturation, which is repeated 15 to 40 times. In this step, the reaction is heated to 94 to 98 degrees Celsius for 15 to 30 seconds. This step denatures your DNA and primers, which will allow them to anneal to each other in the next step. And as mentioned, the next step is annealing. This step is also repeated 15 to 40 times. In this step, your reaction's temperature is rapidly lowered to 50 to 64 degrees Celsius for 20 to 40 seconds. The temperature in this step needs to be low enough that your denatured primers can form Watson-Crick base pairs with your template DNA, but high enough that only the most stable, perfectly paired, double-stranded DNA structures can form. Usually, this perfect annealing temperature is a few degrees lower than the melting temperature of your primer pair. Also during this step, your polymerase will bind to your primer and template DNA complex, although your polymerase will not start reading until the temperature is raised in the next step. And this next step is the elongation or extension step, which is also repeated 15 to 40 times. 
In this step, your reaction is rapidly heated to 72 to 80 degrees Celsius. This is when your polymerase will begin reading in the 5' to 3' direction and copying your template DNA in the 3' to 5' direction. The higher temperature during this step reduces non-specific primer and template DNA interactions, thus increasing the specificity of your reaction. However, the exact temperature will be determined by the preference of your polymerase, so read your packaging. The length of this step depends on how long your DNA copy will be. Typically, DNA polymerase can copy 1000 base pairs per minute. Therefore, you need to allow at least one minute of extension time per 1000 bases. At the end of this incubation, new double-stranded pieces of DNA will have been created, consisting of both template and new DNA. And finally, repeat. Repeat steps 2 to 4 about 15 to 40 times. It's true that the more cycles you program, the more DNA copies you will create. However, there is an upper limit. At some point, the available free nucleotides become limiting and prematurely truncated DNA copies can become a problem. So don't get greedy with your cycling. Less product that's good and clean is preferable to lots of dirty product. Then there is a final elongation step. This is optional, but often recommended in the PCR process. In this step, the reaction is held at 70 to 74 degrees for several minutes. And usually you will use the same temperature for this as you used in the elongation or extension step. This step allows the polymerase to finish reading whatever strand they're currently on. This optional step can help reduce the number of truncated copies in your final products. And finally, your reaction is now complete. Since the entire PCR process can take a few hours, PCRs are often done overnight or when you have otherwise stepped away. It's recommended that you program your thermocycler to hold your PCR product at 4 degrees Celsius until you return. You can then analyze or use your product or transfer it to more suitable long-term storage like your refrigerator. You can find all the references and links for this article in the show notes of this episode, and you can find the full article on the Bite Size Bio website. Are you always on the go, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research? Well, look no further than Listen In, the podcast from Bite Size Bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format. With webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy. With Listen In, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Listen In in your podcast app to subscribe.